Before we get started, just a, a few words. Becca said she needed prayer. She also can use money. <laughs> Let me say something about money because young people tend to self-exclude when the offering plate comes. And I think of a guy in college who said, when I get money, I'm going to start giving. And I thought he'll never give. Because it's not an issue of how much you've got. It's what you release. And so if, if you learn now to give away, God knows what you've got. He knows what he's given you. And the Bible says he gives it to us so that we can give away. And if you learn to give away now, he's, you're going you're gonna to have so much. You're going to be channeling thousands and tens of thousands. Literally. Yeah. Literally. I'm not exaggerating. Because I know of people like that who learned young. We had a girl in our Lydia house. We asked for testimony. And she said, I was led, and I, her mom told me afterwards that she didn't tell her to do this, to give a hundred. She's 10 or 11. Maybe, um, yeah, I think she's 11, uh, Hannah. And she gave $125. That's what she had, and she gave it away to somebody who came through here. She was led to give it. And, and if, if you choose to be uh, a reservoir, it's your decision. But if you choose to be a river, you're going to be a channel for God to go. And it has zero. It has zero. It's not has a little bit to do with money. It has zero to do with money. Because Jesus spoke and memorialized for all time a widow who gave pittance. That's what he highlighted. He didn't highlight the rich gifts that the Pharisees gave. Because he saw the heart. And so God sees your heart. He knows what you've got. He knows how much money you have. Don't tell him you're poor. Just give what you've got. Give it to Becca. Give, somebody, give her some money afterwards. Give it to her and let God bless you because he'll bring it back to you. And he will not be a debtor to anyone. If you put it in the front door, he'll shovel it in the back door. And his shovel is bigger than your shovel. And you're going you're gonna to get blessed. Let me say a word about what we're doing tomorrow night. We're talking about about perfection. <clears throat> Jesus says, be perfect. So what do we do? We avoid that one because it doesn't apply to us. But Jesus meant it when he said it. And we can start concentrating and not, not go weird about it like the Pharisees did who pretended. They pretended that they were perfect, but they were far from it. Not about pretending. It's about walking toward a goal of being like Jesus. And it's real. Perfectionism is just the opposite. It's, it's your, your attempt in the, in the flesh to be like Jesus. And so you're jealous of other people and you put down other people so you can look better. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the real thing. And we're talking about humility. <clears throat> I came to discover as a pastor that that was probably the most important quality that a leader can have. It's a more, one of the most important qualities that a Christian can have. The lower you go, the higher you get. And you go low. We're not at Communitas featuring being up front. This is not what we're featuring. We're featuring going low. And so when we get an announcement, I really expect five people to sign up for, for getting food. That's my expectation. If you understand service as going low, you look for that. That's the place that Jesus is going to show up. He's going to be purchasing food for the rest of the people. He's going to go low and wash feet, and it's going to shock us and it's going to embarrass us. Why are you doing that, Jesus? Because I want you to follow me. So think about that. 
in terms of your own presence among us. I don't have to guilt you because the Holy Spirit will wing it home as you need to hear it. But uh, the lower you go, the higher you get. And if you learn to go low when you're young, you'll go low the rest of your life. And you'll access grace because it can't be found up here. What you really need is grace. Grace is the power to be what God calls you to be and the power to do everything God calls you to do. Where do you get it? You can't get it up here. Where can you get it? In the lowlands. The only place you can get it. And so you go low, and here it is. He rejects the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Also said to the lowly. How low can you go? I can go low. I can walk. I can clean up after people when they're gone here. I can pick up papers. I can take the trash out. I can buy food ahead of time because I'm like G- I want to be like Jesus. I want to. I want to go low. So, pardon? Without griping. That's that's really good to do it without griping. I want to pray with people for jobs because I know that there are some people that have said they need jobs. Let's pray for one another, believing that the prayer of righteous people avails much. Raise your hand if you need a job. Look around. If you see somebody with a job, put your hand next to them. Let's believe for jobs. Let's believe for businesses. You know who called me today? North Carolina, Chick-fil-A. And he said... Uh, are you interested in, in working for Chick-fil-A? I said, well, I like what I'm doing, frankly. <laughs> but there are a lot of young people that we work with that are looking. Well, we're looking to train people so that we can start franchises. I thought, I'll bring that to some young people and see if they want to be trained. So you let me know if that's something that you might be interested in. It's It's... It's a low entrance fee, something like, I thought, because you're going to own the business, you know, it'd be 50000 He said, it's 5000 to get started. And that's a reputable company. They're a bunch of Christians. The company, they say, we're not calling the company Christians. I said, well, but you're Christians, aren't you? He said, we're all Christians. <laughs> and uh, they're, they're doing a good work. So uh, let me know if, uh, if that's something that, and, or if you're interested in the Harvest Project, want to talk, just hear more about it. Talk to Karen or talk to me. We'd love to, love to talk to you. And I'm serious about helping Becca. You know that it's going to be a, uh, going to be there a while. She needs money. So, so Diane was supposed to be here to, to, uh, tonight, and uh, she's not feeling well. So, Father, we bless Diane. We pray that you would heal Diane Brask. Thank you for the work that was done in, in Africa. We thank you for her vision for bringing the gospel to lost people and for building up the people of God, the family of God, the church. We thank you for her. We pray that you would raise her up quickly. Bring her back here. We appreciate her. We have a greenhouse. What's a greenhouse? A greenhouse is a safe place for plants. It's a place where plants cannot just survive, but what can they do? Yeah, yeah. So our desire is that this is a safe place for living organisms to survive, no, to thrive. And how do you create a safe place? I'm going to talk about that tonight, share some things that I've recently written, and If you have questions, if you have comments, feel free.
I don't, I don't mind if you have thoughts or you have questions because I, I hope that it will stir some questions. I wrote something recently called, Is Our Church a Cult? From time to time, it hadn't been, haven't been often, but there are times well, people are saying, what's Anderson doing over there? What, what is that? He's, he's got corn. And there maybe have been moms and dads that have wondered, you know, is this a, is this a cult? I've heard it uh, you know, a couple times. And so I recently wrote something. Is our church a, a cult? I'm going to read it to you tonight. And uh, I also just very recently wrote something called My Boundaries. I, I wrote My Boundaries because they're not your boundaries. They're mine. And you have boundaries, and you may want to write up your boundaries. I wrote something uh, about two years ago called If I Should Fall because Randy Alcorn, who wrote the book Heaven and wrote, wrote a book about money and finances, he said that he had done that. I thought, what a good idea because a lot of good leaders are falling. It's very, very sad to me. Some that I know deeply, one that I mentored in another country, and he fell, and it was devastating for the nation, literally because everybody knew it. I just read a few days ago about somebody who, who uh, is on leave. And uh, I'm not going to give his name yet because uh, some people think it's not going to happen, but I think it is. I think he's going down. And he's a, a wonderful leader who just crossed some boundaries, not by sleeping with women, but things that, 32 women are saying is sexual harassment, and he shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have, shouldn't have done that. So I, I wrote that. I gave it to my wife, and uh, she, she added to it. <laughs> she she strengthened. Yes, you did, honey. You strengthened some of the words, and I'm glad you did, because I, I want to be very serious and, and just really thinking about this. A leader can close down a ministry in one night. I think about that, and that sobers me, because we had a, a ministry here that was uh, Karen, uh, a close friend of Karen. She was a part of that ministry. It closed down because the leader, who uh, was a godly man, no question about it, God-honoring, godly, Christ-centered, and just did something, in a, a couple things inappropriately. It was sad. So here are... Yes. <laughs> I think this is going to be good. Um, uh, Dan and I were sitting there as you talked about Greenhouse. He said, Greenhouse, that would be a good name for a ministry, don't you think? Is this on? I'm yeah, no. loud yeah. Okay. So that triggered my mind in uh, <laughs> what I dreamt about the other night. And it was a greenhouse. There was a greenhouse. But it was on a cliff. And you just think about how this might uh, apply to you in any way, maybe someone else. But we were in a greenhouse, and in the greenhouse there was, this lady said, there's stuff here, like mud stuff, gunk, that needs to be taken care of. And, of course, you have to take care of clean out a greenhouse before things can gr- uh, grow properly. So what is there tonight that you might be speaking to us about? 
And then also there was a window, and you could not see through the window very clearly. If you can't see through the window clearly, you can't, you know, there are sometimes it's hard to know and hear. What are you saying, Lord? But he speaks in his word. That's where we see clearly what he's saying. So we don't have to say, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, So uh, about that time, this lady was just, you know, just kind of mumbling and complaining. I looked and I could see through this window. And I'm not saying that I just have this wonderful perception, but a tsunami wave was coming. And I said, run. And I grabbed her, and we went and grabbed something that was foundational. So I just say that, you know, not all dreams are just always prophetic like that. But every once in a while, I have a dream that, oh, you can share and take something from it. So tonight, Lord, thank you that you can give us that foundation to hold on to. And we can see clearly through your word and through what um, those that have gone before us have weighed and thought about and prayed. And thank you, Father, that you are using Paul tonight to speak your word and also what you have shown him. Amen. 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 Thank you, honey. I get to kiss her. Thank you. So these are my boundaries because good friends put themselves in a different place. Bible says, let everyone be fully convinced in his own mind. A strong ministry was closed down in the early 70s after inappropriate hugging from a father figure. I'm a father, physically and spiritually. I could shut down our ministry with your adults in one night by not being careful. An allegation is all that is needed to taint a good work. I choose to err on the side of caution. I have told our leaders that they can challenge my words or actions at any time. I'll say that to any of you. You can challenge me on anything at any time. You have every right to do that. If you're a part and we want to make a safe place, then no question is out of bounds. We have purposed to create a safe place. When a guest recently crossed the line in his speech with a few of our ladies, we went public. We told the woman, women that they could freely come to us any time, that they did not feel safe or comfortable with the man for any reason. I told him he was not welcome here anymore. I haven't done that very often, but I've done it a few times. I've done it where people have come in and think that this is their place to do all the ministry that they can do. We've had people that have come in, and first night they start laying hands on people. That's not a safe place, because we want to know those who minister among us. The Bible says, know those who labor among you. So it's not that they're necessarily giving wrong words, but some people got uncomfortable with that. So I said to this person, hey, just settle down, relax, and be on the receiving end for a while until we get to know you. That's a part of creating a safe place. So what do I do? One, I do not counsel women alone behind closed doors and prefer having Karen alongside rather than going one-on-one. When tears come, I would rather have Karen embracing a grieving girl because of the vulnerability that that presents. doesn't say I don't hug. I do a lot of hugging. And when someone needs comfort, I want to be alongside to comfort, but I'm cautious. Second, I seldom give women rides or travel alone in a car. I think men who take a secretary along to a conference are taking a potential risk. Number three, I recognize two liabilities, my vulnerability as well as a woman's. Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. So it's not... It's not that I'm not confident in this area. It's that I'm not stupid. Let him who thinks he stand 
take heed lest he fall. I asked a friend at seminary. No, he asked me first. He said, what would make you fall, Paul? I said, pride. I said, what would make you fall, Don? And he said, sex. What do you think took him out of the ministry? Yeah. Let him who thinks he stands. I prefer taking precautions rather than tempting God with easily misread actions. I also know the sinister plans of the enemy. Satan would love to create confusion in a God-honoring ministry, and all the better by using the leader. Why give him opportunities? Four, this is a variable, but I sometimes encourage guys to hug women differently from men. I'm not going to call you out for a hug unless it, it just goes way beyond. Uh, and I just encourage exercise and caution from time to time with women. So a side hug may be better, may be more appropriate for you. Depends on who you are, where you are, what your heart says. <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not looking, I'm not a police here. Uh, and you do what you're able to do with a pure heart. If that's a straight-on embrazio, Okay, go for it. But if that's hard for you, then know who you are. Know where you're at. You know, we, want, we hug. We hug a lot. I hug a lot. But let's, let's exercise it in the, in the spirit of Christ. Fifth, I reserve affirmations for women for character issues. God sure used your testimony. Thank you for serving us by cleaning up rather than compliments on externals, like, hey, you sure look good in that dress. That's crossing a line. So, uh, and I would not want you girls here, anytime you felt uncomfortable with someone, you're free to talk to us. Let us know. If we get that two or three times, then we, we have got to talk to somebody about that. My advantage of being three times the age of the average attender does not take me off the hook. The guy who whose ministry is on the line and who's known across the country by millions of evangelicals is 79 years old. And I feel very sad for him because he's not going to end strong. He's going to end weak. I don't want to end weak. I want to end strong. I want to hit the tape running. Don't you? Don't you want to live for God and pour it out until your dying day? Serve him? And then, like Stephen... It says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He was standing to welcome in a man who fought a, fought a good fight. I want to fight a good fight. When my dad was close to death, he, went out, he got out of retirement at age 75 to plant a church. That's where I get this energy. <laughs> and close to his death, I said, Dad, do you have any unfinished business? And he said, no, I, I think I did what he told me to. What a way to die. You, know, you, you got your, you're done. You, you're done with your business. Jesus said, I've, I have uh, honored, glorified you on earth, having accomplished what you gave me to do. It's not working harder than anybody else. It's doing what you're told. So those are my boundaries. Any any thoughts or questions about the boundaries? Anything you wanna wanna say? I want you to know what my boundaries are because I want this to be a safe place for people. And one of the one of the aspects is is, is that we have 
boundaries here. And if you feel that boundaries are being crossed by someone who's, who's getting weird with you, who's laying hands on you, and you don't know them, you're welcome to come to us. We don't want weird here. We want spirit-led. We don't want weird. Yeah. Yeah, it may be safe to. It may be safe for some of you. See, these are my boundaries; they're not yours. So, if if you're giving rides across gender lines and it's working, and it's it's not uh, a temptation for you, and it, it doesn't it doesn't have the appearance of evil and working, you know, that may be okay. It's worth talking about. Did I was there a hand in the back? Somebody had a question. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Sure. That's fair. Love to talk to people. Yeah. Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> I wish I ministered more to children. Are, are there those who minister children who could help us out here? And, and give us, yeah. yeah. Can you can you can you share some things about boundaries with kids? Yeah, I mean, like I can tell. I just I've just started working. I've, I've worked like five weeks at a school in Roseville with eighth and sixth, um, but I've worked other years at, at Bible camps. And <laughs> kids, you know, at at different places can have different, be needy in different ways, and. Um, and it's like in the in the school system, especially we we're given boundaries. Um, you know, we can we have to have two teachers in in a room. Um, you know, with with the kids, um, you can't. I mean, if you're just like walking them in to grab their homework or something, you can do that. But but if they're just there, you know, they they want you to always have another person because it's the same thing. If you get, you know, hit with a accusation, you know, that's a it's it's crazy. You know, and it's your word over the kids. Even if they're lying, you know they're they're gonna they're gonna believe you. But um, so there, so there are precautions I think to take. Um, but then there's also kids that are more needy than others, you know, physically, emotionally. Um, they want you know a lot of physical attention. They want, and so I find myself, um, you know, I want to to give give it to kids and I want to validate them and, and show them that I care and, um, you know, but but I've I've restrained myself at certain times. Um, with with all of the kids, like when they're crying, you know, when they're having a bad time from, you know, giving them a big hug, I'll, I'll rub their back, you know, and I'll, I'll speak to them, you know, or, you know, I'll, you know, kind of put my hand on their back and walk them down the hallway, but I, I haven't, and I don't think I will, you know, give them a full hug um, at school um, in, in that sense, and, but, but, so that's, that's me, and even like, you know, sitting on on my lap, like sometimes I, I let them do that. But if a kid seems overly attached, then I'll, I'll kind of make sure that they, you know, move off after a while and, and go do, do their own thing. So, Thanks, Dan. Yeah. Thanks for the question. Did, did what? 
A few more questions? Oh, sure, come on. Come. Is she a good roommate? Yes, she's very nice. She's very nice. Good. Okay. So I'm a I'm a intern at Bethel Christian Fellowship, and I did a children's ministry intern for a year, and and I still do a lot of children's ministry. And two things that I just wanted to add was, especially for women, to dress appropriately, um, and to be an example in the way that you dress, um, and what you wear. And because, like Dan said, kids, well. I work with kids that like to sit on your lap, that like to, like, be around you, and they have their hands everywhere, but our job is to be careful where our hands are, and I just think about how when you're, like, like, you can have kids sit on your lap, but then just being careful where your hands are when you're holding them. Sure. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's very helpful. Okay. Yes. Yeah, thank you. That's that sounds right. That sounds right because I know a lot of the districts around here and Roseville's one of those very hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good wisdom. Thank you. I'm going to read this now as our church occult. The reason I wrote this <coughs> is that... Just answer right away, no. No, it isn't. <laughs> okay. Any questions? <laughs> so, four things about cult leaders. Number one, cult leaders speak about loyalty, the kind you don't question. You begin to get the feeling that you are there to support them. When I was a part of a denomination, I came to understand that we served the central office rather than the central office serving the local church. If you start feeling that way about your leaders, leave. Loyalty is a good thing, but never the kind that takes away your mind and your vote. Everyone counts, including you. I would love to have my children at my church, but I gave them the option as young adults of going elsewhere, which some of them accepted. I know of pastors where their kids feel pressured to support dad. Shouldn't that be the other way around? Second, cult leaders want you to believe in them, but they don't believe in you. They are not asking how they can help you walk into your God-appointed destiny, but they fully expect you to help them. They invite you to show confidence in their leadership without reversing the favor. 
It is the difference between empowered and empowering leadership. This is really interesting. I see two kinds of leadership. One's empowered, where leaders have the power because of their position, because of their influence, because of their anointing, whatever. They have power to lead. And so they are the leaders. And what do they have? They have followers. And that's one model of leadership. It's the most common. It's the one that you read about in books. And you, you, you heard the little joke. If, if you look around and no one's following, following, you're just out for a good walk. So that's one brand of leadership. I don't, I don't buy that anymore. I used to buy that. But I believe in empowering leadership. I'm a visionary. I start things. I got plenty of vision, more than enough vision. My vision is not for you to walk with, with what I've got. It's for me to find out what's in you. That's empowering. See, I want to find out what God's put in your heart, what, what your vision is. That's what burns in my heart. What's your vision? That's what Karen and I want to find out. That's what I'm going to teach Dare to Dream in May at this place. Because I want you to come in to your destiny. That's, that's our mission statement until we hit the tape. Raising up and releasing young adults into their God-appointed destiny. So that's not empowered leadership. That's empowering leadership. So I want to believe in you, not just ask you to believe in me. I feel you'd believe in me. But I want to believe in you. See, Jesus believed in the disciples. That's incredible that he believed in these guys. He didn't give them too many seminars before he sent them out. We would have given them a lot more seminars before we sent them out to heal and to go before him. Can you imagine? These guys, they didn't know how to do it. They're probably arguing with one another, and they're going out, okay, lead the way, go out and heal the sick, raise the dead. Whoa! And he's leading them. He believes in them. Then... He did the, the, the all-time amazing thing. He left. He said, see you long. See you later. He didn't say see you long. He said, see you later. And he said, the Holy Spirit's coming. Wait for him. When you get him, go do this stuff. He really believed in them. Cult leaders don't believe in people. I wish as a young pastor that I'd believe more in the people that I was ministering to. I believe in you now. I believe in you going past me. That's easy to believe for that. I, I love to sit down. I, I love to find out, help you find out what God's put in your tank. Karen likes to do it too. We, we like to just sit down and spend time with young adults and listen to where you're at. Listen to your heart. Don't, don't feel like you're, you're, uh, you're coming against us if you say, hey, could we get together and talk? Because I want to hear what God's put in your heart because I believe in you. I believe that you've got a destiny. And what's sad for me as a dream releaser, is what Oliver Wendell Holmes said. Most people die with the music still inside of them. That makes me sad. I want to do whatever I can to see that you get your music out. You sing your song. The former is an Old Testament model. The latter, a New Testament model. Jesus remarkably believed in the disciples he mentored to the point of sending them out and then... Uh, ultimately leaving them to complete the task. His sacred call on our lives speaks volumes of the trust he invests in us. doesn't happen with cults, nor in many churches. As a young pastor, I wanted people to believe in me. I wish I'd believed in them. I'd adopted the visionary pastor Old Testament model. Now I want to find out their vision. That is what Pentecost blew open. It leveled the playing field. You got the Holy Spirit? You can do this stuff. Did I hear Amen. Cult leaders foster uniformity, not unity. Disagreement is not only discouraged, it's disallowed. Healthy churches thrive 
when disagreement among people with non-negotiable relationships bring it to a higher level. Conflict here, and you've seen me. I get excited when there's conflict. I didn't used to as a young pastor. But I see conflict, and I say, good, God's going to bring us to a new level of unity. It always happens when your relationships are non-negotiable. When that's not up for grabs, then you come together out of the conflict. We've seen it happen here many times at Communita. We've had people ready to leave. They were so angry. Well, let's get together and let's talk about it. One One time that happened, guys were ready to leave. Leaders were ready to leave. Five minutes later, after talking, it was resolved. That's what happens if you have non-negotiable relationships and you allow disagreement. We like disagreement here. We don't want to have you thinking just like I'm thinking. We don't need both of us then. So we want your disagreement. We want your, but do it without being disagreeable. We'll listen to it. We don't care. We don't care if you have a different theology than I have. I'm not, we're not rubber stamping anything here. Healthy churches thrive. Conflict becomes the invitation to upgrade. Conflict becomes the invitation to upgrade confidence in a God who uses all things for his glory, and especially tension. Tension. I I thank God almost every day for tension. Because it's it's the gauge on the dashboard that tells me I gotta there's something here that we need to deal with. There's something here we need to deal with. Look at. It would be foolish for me to put my hand over it or put tape over it because I'm embarrassed because I've got, uh, I've got to change the oil. <laughs> Tension is a good thing. It doesn't mean that something's wrong. It means that something's happening. Uniformity and unity are only close in the dictionary. They are miles apart in reality. If the local church you support muffles a voice of dissent, think communism. Uniformity in music is called unison. How boring can you get? Let's hear it for harmony, which means sounding different notes. Fourth, last thing. Cult leaders cross sexual boundaries. Many churches and ministries are not safe because women expect them to be so. Let their guards down and don't trust their intuition. We have desired to create a safe place in our community. This means that we give our women the freedom to blow the whistle any time they feel uncomfortable with anyone. We have told some men that they are not welcome in our community. I've gone public with the article boundaries. Anyone is free to question me about anything I've said or done. This brings a feeling of freedom and protection to all, and especially <clears throat> excuse me, to the most vulnerable. Cult communities are anything but safe. Jesus is a safe place. He says to the fearful and burdened, come unto me. We want to be like Jesus. We want to be safe here just like Jesus is safe. We want you when you come, you know, some of you experience intensity in worship like you haven't experienced before. That may, that may uh, freak you out. It may be something new like we were, we were singing Break Every Chain. Maybe you didn't sing that in a Lutheran church that you grew up in. You know, it was just a little off the, off the chart. So that's okay. We understand. We understand if it gets that way. Just You can talk to us. If, if there are things that you don't understand, that's why we have the newbie meetings, so we can help you. What is written here reflects the leadership of the Pharisees. Even the part about crossing sexual boundaries. It does not describe any church I am familiar with 
But if it wobbles, quacks, and looks like a duck, it may be. I don't. I don't want to explain it. No, I, I just want to pray here and then uh, invite invite the ministry. Uh, John, I love coming to Communitas. You know that's that's good because I live here. You know that's it, good that I like coming. I, I love being in this atmosphere, and I love the part that different people play. Uh, let's hit one of the lights. Let's uh, just, I don't know if, if you hit one, I think they all go, but see, just give it a try and see. Uh, yeah, that's good. So uh, let's just be open to how the Lord is going to lead different people different ways, maybe draw over here, or back and right, or if you have something to say to one of us or the ministry, come up here. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are so wonderful, that you were and are so honest. You were so honest with people that you always seemed to create tension at dinner parties because you were so honest. You wouldn't let people get away with things. You address things rather than shoving them under, rather than avoiding them. We're sorry where we have avoided things. We don't want to do that. We like conflict. We'll take it. We'll bring it on. Because we know that, that you are a safe place. And we want to be a safe place here where we can grow. I pray for people who are stuck. Pray for anybody here that, that's here tonight that feels like they're stuck. And they're just not getting there. Father, would you, would you pour out your grace? Even tonight, oh God. There's some that are here that they just feel like crying because it's not working for them right now. God, they've tried this and that, and it's not working. We pray that you would help them so that they could get unstuck and get on their way to their God-appointed destiny. In Jesus' name, amen.